And the church said? Amen. Amen. Man, that's the good stuff today. Amen? Amen? Boy, we're glad that you're here with us today. If you're visiting, I look across the audience and see several people that are visiting today. We're thankful. Some um, people from Denver, I think, that are here today. We're glad to have them down. And um, they're just a, just a blessing to have all of you here today. Um, you probably heard about the guy that was walking along the beach and he picked up a bottle and it was a, you know, a genie in the bottle type of thing. And so he rubs the bottle and sure enough, poof, out flies this genie. Oh, thank you for letting me out of that bottle. Thank you so much. But the truth is, I've only been in the bottle for just a few days. So you only get one wish. Just one? Yep, just one. Make it a good one. Okay, so he thought to himself, maybe money, nah, maybe a car, I don't know, maybe, a, I got it, I got it, I got it, I know exactly what I want. He said, are you sure? Yep, I'm sure. Are you really, really sure? Yep, I'm really sure. He said, I want to be irresistible to women. Are you sure? He said, yep, and poof, he turned into a box of chocolates. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, what's the moral of that story? I think it would be just be careful of what you wish for. Amen? Amen? But you know, there's something to be said about that even in our prayer time. Be careful what you pray for. For us to be careful of what we pray for. F.B. Myers, and I do my, uh, every year I do a Bible class specifically on prayer. It's kind of a close class. You sign up for it, we get to know each other, and then we pray together, and we go through a lot of things. And one of my favorite sayings in that class is from a guy by the name F.B. Meyer. He simply says this, the greatest tragedy, the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. How often do you pray? If there was a gauge on you that we could just pull back and say, hey, I'm pretty full. If there was a gauge there, what would it say? What would your gauge say? I would have to say mine runs on empty often. And I'm the minister. I find myself getting too busy. Too busy to pray. Mother Teresa prayed sometimes upward of eight hours a day and she said she was too busy not to pray. Ah, maybe that was the key. Maybe that's the key that's missing in my life. On our journey together, prayer is one of the deepest joys one can experience. Do you know that? Prayer is one of the deepest joys that you can experience on your journey with God. Why? Why is that the case? It is because it is a privilege to speak to the creator of life himself. To be able to enter into the throne room of God, call him Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father, and be able to speak to God. It's an amazing thing. And catch this. He promises that he will listen to us. Did you ever, dads, did you ever get so busy when your kids came over and they wanted to, Daddy, Daddy, I need to tell you something with our grandkids now. Hey, Papa, I want to tell you something. And what do you say, find yourself saying sometimes, um, I'm a little busy right now. Or I'm watching this last shot, Kentucky win. But not God. 
He promises us. It's almost too good to be true that God would say, I'll listen to what you got to say. But it's true nonetheless. Give me an amen. amen. Hallelujah, amen. David Mathis says it like this. What an indescribable gift we have that the God whose greatness is beyond comprehension actually stoops to listen to us. And get this, and is even more ready to hear us than we are to speak. Wow. Imagine God saying, I'm just waiting on you to talk to me today. When Donna and I were dating back in the early 70s, she couldn't wait for me to call her. She sat by the phone and waited for me to call. Oh, is he going to call? Is he going to call? Is he going to call? She would check the phone every once in a while because back then you had a thing called party lines. Anybody know what a party line is? None of you young people right here, man. They're like, what? <laughs> All I could say is just praise God, right? But nonetheless, I got off track, but let's get on track. John chapter 14, let's take a look here. I want to really hone in on a particular part of this, but i got to give you the whole thing because it's just too good to pass up. Notice what Jesus says here. Philip said, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. Does that sound like us in our prayers? Father, just do this one thing for me, and that will be enough for me. I will do whatever it is you want me to do if you just give me this one thing. Anybody ever make a plea with God like that? You get me out of this trouble, Lord, and I promise I'll serve you the rest of my days. Anybody but me? The rest of you? <laughs> You're in trouble. All right. So Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after all of these years that we spent together? Even, ever, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In fact, he's saying what I'm, what I'm doing. I'm standing right in front of you. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in Him and the Father is in me? That the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works that you've seen, haven't you, Philip? Have you seen God work in someone's life or in your life? Give me an amen. amen. Oh, can you at least believe upon the evidence he's saying to Philip? Now watch this. It's about to get to you and me. All of it is about us or getting to us. But watch this. He says, very truly, I tell you, as though he could tell you nothing but truth. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes, anytime the Bible says whoever, you need to underline it because that includes you. Whoever believes, do you believe? Give me an amen. amen. That's pretty weak. Here we go. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Whoa. I'm going to come back to that one, but here's the one we want to get to. This is one we want to rush to naturally is in 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name 
so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And somebody's saying, yes, that's what I've been wanting to hear. That's what I want. I can ask God. In other words, I can pick up the bottle, I can rub it a little bit, poof, and there it is. Don't forget the chocolate. So you have to be careful with that. But backing up, how can we do more than what he has done? How can that be possible? This kind of blows my mind when he says that. But if he says it, it must be true. It's not a misprint. It's in the King James as well. Well, he didn't just show us. He told us. But he didn't just tell us. He showed us. That's the beauty of God. We are supposed to think, act, talk, and believe like he did. How you doing with that? We are to think, act, and talk, and believe like he did. Some days I measure up pretty good, and some days I don't measure up too good. For some reason, God's been bringing me back to Mark chapter 11. We'll go there real quick. In Mark chapter 11, I didn't really put this down earlier on. I think Monday I worked on this message a little bit, and then on Wednesday... And, and all of the things that were going on this week, a busy week. But nonetheless, God brought me right back to this. I was headed to Oklahoma City uh, this week, and, and, and he just laid it on my heart. So he said, just go back, and, and I have to listen to what God is teaching me as well. And so here it is once again, have faith in God. Four words, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Say it with me. Have faith in God. Say it again. Have faith in God. Wow, that's pretty good. Huh? Sounds real easy, doesn't it? Give me an amen. amen. All right, watch this. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone, here it is, anyone, that's me, anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. And we will look at that and we're just like, well, I'm not sure he really meant that. You know, God is God, and God can do whatever God chooses to do. Give me an amen. So God can say to the mountain, the mountain be thrown in the sea, it lands in the sea. It just happens because God is God. But what he's saying here, he's talking to us, and the mountains we face not, may not be the dirt in which we stand on, but you got a mountain, don't you? You got something in your life you're dealing with right now. It may be a spouse, it may be your children, it may be finances, it may be health, it may be something, but I promise you it's something and you would love for it to be cast into the sea and remembered no more. Give me an amen. amen. So we all have something in common. But God tells us here that we can get rid of that mountain if we have faith and apply it to our lives. Well, I thought you said it was prayer. Hang on, I'm going to get to it. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I read that, Harley. I read that, and I prayed that, and I didn't get what I wanted. Therefore, I don't know that I believe that stuff anymore. Therefore, there's your problem. You see it? He's giving you the answer to the problem that you say you have and not believing that stuff anymore is because there was a doubt connected with that. And so how do we overcome that? We are human. We move and our feelings move us and direct us. Do they not? Sure they do. And in that process, God knew all of that, but yet he tells us this nonetheless. In other words, do it all the time. Don't you dare give up. 
He didn't say, ask the Father to move the mountain, because that's what we normally do. God, move this mountain for me. It's not what he said. He's saying, if you have faith that I can, in you, it can be done. Our faith isn't in me, it's in God. And the more faith I have in God, the more I know that God can do anything that God chooses to do. Give me an amen. Amen. Meaning what? He told us to use our faith. Meaning don't stop believing because if your faith is in me, he's saying, what is it that you cannot do? We all know I can do all things through Christ who? Now start that off with me. I. Hmm. You know what we do is we quote that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even have it on a little, little bracelet here, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But what we really do is we change that up. I know Christ can do all things, and sometimes I'll just join in. That's a long writing on a little van, right? So if you quote it, you've got to believe it. And once you believe it, it comes to pass. But you can't stop believing it. You see where I'm coming from? Hope so. Let's find out. When you stop believing, you hinder the results of what's to come. In other words, you hinder your prayers. I often wonder how many prayers that I've hindered in my lifetime. Countless, I'm sure. Not because of God. I've even asked God, I've had the audacity to ask God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Did you ever do that? I, I, what's, what's, what's going on? Are you just busy or what? But at the end of the day, you come to grips with it. It wasn't God. It was me. God doesn't hinder anything that God chooses to do. We do. We do. All right. Luke chapter 8, you know the story, now the story unfolds here. This is a really good one here, and we all know this particular one. This is a guy by the name of Jairus. He comes to Jesus. When he comes to Jesus, he has a request. His request is not for himself, his request is for his daughter. His daughter is gravely ill. He goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my daughter is gravely ill, would you please come with me? Now, we know that Jesus didn't even have to go with him. Jesus could have just said, be on your way, your daughter's fine, everything's okay. But he didn't choose to. I want to tell you something. Even walking with Jesus doesn't mean that you're not going to hear and have problems in your life. But there's something about walking with Jesus that can change that. Watch. So he says to Jesus, Jesus says, no problem, let's go. Let's head out. And so we read right here, while Jesus was still speaking. In other words, I'll be glad to go with you. Oh, just a minute. Someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Stop. You see, if you read too fast, you can't digest it correctly. But I guarantee you one thing, this man digested it. Because your daughter's dead. It's the slam on the brakes moment. It's the hit the wall. It's the news from the doctor that says the C word. It floods a person and it causes the heart to just do what it does not and is not supposed to do, but it does it nonetheless. And it gnaws up in your throat and it swells up to the point where you can't even swallow 
And those that may have been through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And those of us that haven't, praise God. The impact of that is so powerful. And so he goes on to say, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus says what? Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. Now, we know the rest of the story. This is one of the most powerful faith stories in Scripture. For someone to come and say, your daughter is dead, to be able to look beyond that has to be great faith. Mountain. Big mountain. Mount Everest, not Mount Scott. We know the rest of the story. Jesus raised her from the dead. Can we get an amen? Watch this. To be able to believe with that kind of faith just absolutely astounds me. But to be able to believe with that kind of faith, you have to teach yourself not to respond to feelings only. Feelings are really good, and feelings are important, and, and, and many times we leave feelings out of it all together. But feelings can drive you someplace that God doesn't want you. Because fear is not where God wants you. And feelings, or fear, is a feeling. And in this process, watch what takes place here. If you are not careful, you will find yourself drifting away from your own belief, your own faith. You're drifting in your faith. Someone's not here this morning. In other churches, they're not there this morning because their feelings allowed their drifting, which allowed their faith to become weak, and now they're just... Every now and then, maybe, I'm not sure, they're doubting. Listen, people can talk you out of your dreams. Did you know that? Which can actually, at some point, talk you out of the blessings that God has planned for you. The man said, this is important, the man said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Do you know what's wrong with that statement? Do you know what's wrong with that statement? Because I tell you, I promise you, that statement is completely wrong. Don't bother the teacher anymore. What's wrong with that statement? What's wrong with that statement is this. The man saw him as a teacher. Teachers can't do anything about someone that's dead can't happen. Jairus needed what? He needed a healer and Jesus was about to release and show them that he was the resurrector. I'm going to push through all of that. I'm not even going to, I'm the, I'm the teacher telling you, believe, don't doubt, don't be afraid. 
And I'm the healer, yes. But you're going to witness today all three. And you're going to see that I am the resurrector. Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. I don't know how that took place. Again, we read it quickly. I just see Jesus. Was Jesus compassionate in Scripture? The answer is yes. I see Jesus perhaps getting the word. The man standing next to him gets the word. The daughter's dead. And Jesus looks at the man, Jairus. I see Jesus perhaps even placing his shoulders or his hands on his shoulders and saying, Jairus, just look at me. Jairus, look up. Uh-uh, uh-uh, don't go there. Look here. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Who are we to look for? The author and the perfecter of our faith is Jesus. He was looking into the eyes of the perfecter of his faith. And he did. Wow. Jairus just moved up on the list, didn't he? Huh? Pretty powerful. People can talk you out of what you believe. Don't let that happen. Our agreement should not be with other people unless it lines up with God first. Give me an amen. If you are seeking God first, and they are seeking God first... You're on the right track. Do you know that? Why do I know that? Because Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So if you seek God first, and you seek God first, and I seek God first, and we seek God first, not wants, desires, wish lists, oh, give me a new boat. Not all that, but seeking God's will first in our lives, we can know that we're on the right track on our journey with God. Give me an amen. So why do we begin to waver in our faith? I think it's a good question. Let's see if we can answer that. Well, I can't give you all the answer in one sermon. So come back next week. No, I'm just kidding. There are many things that cause us to waver in our faith. Hurts, pains, sorrows. Um, um, we get deceived, as mentioned David in class today, Satan. And, uh, we don't get really what we think we deserve. Someone else is getting promoted and we're not. And, you know, my kid got sick and yours didn't and uh, all these factors in there. And that's happened from the beginning of time. So nothing's new under the sun. But yet God gives us the remedy to work through that, navigate through that in a powerful way. The one I want to spend just a couple of minutes and we'll come back to periodically throughout this year and that will be the one on prayer or the lack of prayer. Write this down. Prayer is the oil that lubricates our faith. That's how I got this message. just came to me one day. I just jotted it down. That's pretty good coming from Harley. I said, write that one down. I don't know where it came from, but anyway, I got it. So prayer is what is the oil that lubricates our faith, and our faith is what delivers our request. Meaning it keeps our faith working properly, why? So that it can produce a God outcome. If you seek God first, you want a God outcome. Give me an amen. So if you want a God outcome, you're seeking God first, you've got to have the faith and the God outcome will follow. 
That's exactly what Jairus did. The question is, are we? Do you know, and I'm sure that you do, that who you confide in and listen to the most is who you agree with or begin to talk like and think like the most? It's true, isn't it? It is in our lives. Well, I'm not sure that's true. Someone would say, well, let's just find out in Scripture, Proverbs. Just go to two places in Proverbs. There's dozens of them. Of course, Proverbs 13 and Proverbs 25. I love these two verses. So I'll pull them up. Walk with the wise and become wise. Sounds real easy. Walk with the wise, become wise. The opposite of that would be what? Walk with fools, become foolish. Because what? For a companion of fools suffers harm. Anybody walk with somebody that you know they shouldn't have been walking with and you found yourself in trouble too, besides me? Yeah. And when you look back on it, whose fault was it? It was your fault. And it was your fault, my fault. Why? It's because I chose to walk with someone that was foolish. Right? Did you ever walk with someone that was wise and they were a mentor and a great mentor and they taught you great things and you listened to what they said, mom and dad, you listened to what they said and in that, or the preacher, and then listened to what they said and actually it turned out really good in your life? Anybody? Yeah. You were wise. Now watch. I love this one, Proverbs 25 in the Living Bible Translations. If a godly man compromises with the wicked, stop. You see, this, is, this gets really ugly because this is exactly and precisely where our world is today. Did you know that? Christian people are trying to compromise with the world. That's fact. Well, you know, I don't think it's that bad. And I think that everybody ought to be able to. And I think, well, that makes kind of... Well, if they give... Uh, yeah, they gave a little bit, so that'd be all right. That's called compromise. But when you're godly, we're not called to compromise the truth of God's Word. Oh, what color you get of car? No problem. Compromise. She wants red? Get red. Trust me. Because what does it do when you compromise? What does it do when we compromise? Well, just look at our world today. Isn't that the truth? It's the way it is today is because we've compromised the Word of God. You can't lead it to anything else. Well, it's our fault. It's the default. No, it's the C fault, the Christian. The Christians are to be the light of the world. So we can't compromise. Watch what it says. It is. It's like this, he says, in this process. It is like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. In other words, it muddies things up. And again, that's the world's view. will always lean toward the muddy side of things. Do you know that? The world will always lean toward the muddy side of things. Why? Why? Why is the question? Because they are not from God. It's that simple. And anything not of God is impure. And remember in the process... We are not made pure by what we do. We are made pure by what He did on the cross for us. Praise God. Philippians 3, 9, you can read it for yourself. This is why Jesus gives us access to the Father in in our prayer life, our prayer time. When things get rusty, let's talk about that for a minute. When things get rusty, they need a little oil on them to get things lubricated, just a little bit better. We all know that. 
Every one of us probably has a can in the garage somewhere, a can of WD-40. Because it works. All good mechanics also know and have a can of WD-40 on hand. Why? Because they know that metal will rust. We will too. And when it does, it often is difficult to break the bolt loose. Anybody ever bust your knuckles because it was a rusted bolt that you couldn't break loose? Yeah, Mac over here. You see, a little oil placed in the right spot can begin to penetrate and soon allow the bolt to be removed easy or easier. The same goes for our soul. Did you know that? A little oil placed in the right spot can keep one from becoming rusty in life, if you will. Again, it's what lubricates our faith. It's the same for our spiritual journey. We can become a little rusted up, clogged up, plugged up, if you will, in time, because of the world around us. So we need a thing called an oil change. Somebody's going right now, dude, i got to write that down. i got to get that oil change in my car again. I forgot all about that. That little sticker didn't remind me, and that little dinger didn't go off, or I just ignored it. You ever need, ignore one of those little dingers in your car? It's dinging for a reason. Jason, isn't that right? That's right. Pay me now, pay me later. Right? <laughs> I don't know where I'm at, but <laughs> you need an oil change or you need oil added. So you check it, and if you need oil added, you put a little oil in it and you feel much better. Remember that confidence we talked about last week? The confidence that we're supposed to have to move smoothly on our journey together. Now you can ne neglect that oil change for a while and everything might seem fine. But at some point, you're going to run into some problems. You see, an oil change at the proper time doesn't help you. It helps the engine of your vehicle, which in return helps you go on your journey. And that's what we want. Prayer keeps the spiritual engine running smoothly in our lives so that your faith will not run low or become rusty. Show me a person that becomes, is becoming weak in their faith and I will show you a person that is not spending time with God in prayer. Every time. People will come and counsel, counsel with them. How much are you praying about that? Well, we prayed about it. No, how much are you praying about it? Well, we prayed about it. They want to move on because I want to talk about the problem. How much have you prayed about it? Well, we prayed about it. The last three days we prayed about it. I prayed about that one time, didn't get the answer I wanted, so I just went on about trying to figure it out myself. Anybody do that besides me? You see what happens. What we need to do is we need to continue in that belief. God, I'm bringing this to you. I'm coming back today. i got faith that you can do all things, and I know I can do all things as long as I stay in Jesus, as long as I keep my eyes fixed on Him, and I'm fixing my eyes on you, Jesus, today. And if I don't get the answer today, I'll talk to you tomorrow as well. And I'm not going to stop believing because you told me not to, and I'm not about to makes a difference in our lives. In our prayer, we acknowledge that He is our mentor. He is our guide. He is our shield. He is our refuge. He is our shelter. He is our strength. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. My faith is in you, Lord, the psalmist said in 33 and many other places. So in our prayer time, what we're doing is we're going and we're saying, empty out the impurities and put in your purity so I can run a little smoother today. Does anybody here dread going to work? Uh, you don't have to raise your hand. 
Does anybody here dread going to work in the morning? How much time do you spend in prayer before you get there? You're running on empty. Need an oil change. Well, I listen. I'm listening to sports, trying to catch up on everything. Yep. And tomorrow when you get up, guess what? You're going to still have those same problems and wonder, why in the world do I have? Why are you doing this to me, God? I'll show you an example of that in a minute. Oftentimes what we do is this, and this is what it's leading to, and we'll quit. Oftentimes what we do is we forget to allow God, Him, to fill us up with His power. It's the beauty of prayer is that we go to Him, we puke it up. Nobody likes to puke, but when you puke, you feel a whole lot better. And then He puts something back in us. But oftentimes what we do as Christians, we go to Him in our prayers, and yet we leave empty because we haven't allowed Him to fill us up. Let me explain. I was probably 16 years old. I got a little car, and boy, I was going to be just like my dad. I'm going to take care of my car. I'm going to, you know, I got to do all the stuff back in the day. Back in the day, you changed your own oil. You remember that, guys. And then the young people are saying, you do? How do you do that? Okay, we got another lesson to teach, but nonetheless. So anyway, one day I pull the car up under the shade tree as we would get the little pan out, put it up underneath the car. My dad walks out on the porch, sits down in the chair and says, what you doing there, son? Changing oil, dad. You know what you're doing? Yes, dad. You know, you know how dads are, right? Okay, son, go right ahead. He just sits there. So I'm trying to do exactly what my dad, I'd seen my dad do dozens and dozens of times before. So what do I do? I get up underneath the car, take the drain plug out, take the oil filter off, do all of that, take care of it. I go and I get five quarts of the Quaker State oil, remember the green can, put it on top of the, the car there and put it, get the spout, put it in there, get a little can of STP, you remember that? That's the oil treatment. I don't know what it did, but my dad always put it in there and I was going to do the same. So I got the little can of STP, and I put it there, and I'm doing all this stuff, get everything taken care of, ready to go, pop the quart, pour the oil in there, one quart, pour the oil in there, two quarts, five quarts, get it all done. Wait 20 minutes for the STP to finally drip down in there because it's so thick, if you remember that. And so we get, I get all that done. I'm finished up. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And Dad says, you doing all right over there, boy? I said, yeah, Dad, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. You know what you're doing? Yes, Dad, I know what I'm doing. Anybody been there? So I reach in, I pull the dipstick, pull it out. I'm like, hmm, that's strange. Put the dipstick back in, pull the dipstick back out. Look at it, hmm, that's strange. Oh, I know what I forgot to do. I forgot to start the car. If I start, you got to start the car a little bit, pushes that oil through there, makes it, and that's what I forgot to do. Whew, glad I thought of that because my dad's watching. So I go around, start the car, boom, boom. Just have to do that a few seconds, go back around, pull the dipstick out. Huh? What's the deal? Put dipstick back in. My dad says, <laughs> you doing all right, son? <laughs> yes, dad. So I look up underneath the car, get down there and look under. Oh. You see the little pan that I had really holds about six quarts, just enough. It was just overflowing. I forgot to put the oil plug in. So I crawl out underneath the car in shame, you know, and I'm like, and my dad just leans back in his chair. My dad's a quiet man. He's a loving guy and loved us much and all those things. And he says, um, 
forgot to put the oil plug in it, didn't you, son? Yes, Dad! I'll get to my point in a minute. Hang on, it's my story. Let me tell it. So, he said, well, I'll tell you what, son. Go ahead and put the oil plug in it. I'll go out here to the shed and get you some more oil so you put in your car. Thanks, Dad. See, what I could have done in all of that, I could have just put the five quarts in, put the STP in, put the cap back on the top, shut the hood, got in the car, see you later, Dad, down the road. And I could have said, you know what, I've done my job, I put the oil in, I put five quarts in that dude. The engine's supposed to do what it's supposed to do now, so therefore, I'm good to go. I could have done that, but I, down the road, I would have discovered quickly that I had major problems. You know what I needed to do? was to seal it, seal that oil in there. I was supposed to seal it and then have the faith that it would do what it was called to do. Same for the Christian. Is we fail to seal our prayer time with God in faith. It's like forgetting to put the oil plug in when we don't seal our prayers with faith. It actually amounts to nothing, the Word of God says. If you don't seal your prayer with faith, it actually amounts to nothing. Those are strong. Remember how I said, just have faith and it'll be done. Have faith, you'll do greater things than me. Have faith and it'll be done, it'll be done, it'll be done. And here he says, if you don't have faith, you ain't getting nothing. Not a little, James. But when you ask prayer... You must believe and not doubt. We heard that already, right? Give me an amen. So we're on track. We're almost finished. Hang on. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person, what person? The person that doubts. See, God will not contradict himself. So he said that person should not expect to receive anything, anything from the Lord. And then he adds this one right on top of that one again. Connecting with a verse earlier on, he says, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that he does. When I look at that, I'm thinking to myself, our stability is faith in God. Our stability is is faith in God. If you are reliant on anything other than God first in your life, then you are no doubt doubting God. And God said, and He told us in the Old Testament and New Testament, the first one on the list was what? I will not have any other gods before me. And anything we put in the place of God is doubting God needs to be first in our life. How are you doing with that? Oh, I forgot. I added something. This is extra. It won't cost you a thing. Three minutes. Two. When Mary went to Jesus at the wedding at Canaan, you know that story, don't you? So I jotted this one down yesterday. The story, of, uh, it, when Jesus, it, Jesus goes to the wedding with his mom, you know the story. Here it is, unfolds. And she told him, she goes to him and she says, listen, she said, the host is run out of wine. That was an embarrassing thing. You need to help this group out. 
So they have this brief conversation. It's found over in John chapter 2. Read it for yourself. There's this brief conversation that goes on. And then she turned to the servants. Now watch this. This is why, where I got this thought. Did she turn to the servants? You know what she said to the servants? Here it is. Do whatever he tells you to do. I love that about her. Now this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. But what's interesting in that, do whatever he tells you to do. Mary had never seen Jesus turn water into wine before. In fact, she had never seen him perform a miracle before because Scripture tells us, apparently, that this was the very first miracle that Jesus performed. So it was new to her, but she says, do whatever he tells you to do. She knew. What did she know? She knew that he was the Son of God and that he was omnipotent, that he was all power. He wasn't just a smart young man. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was the Messiah. How did she know that? She knew that like we know that because it was foretold over in Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the church says, and watch this, he was the one that she carried in her womb for nine months. And she knew he was placed there by none other than the Holy Spirit of God himself. She had no doubt who he was. We're called to have no doubt of who he is today. We must believe that he exists, Scripture tells us. That he is God, that he is almighty God. That he is not limited to anything that we can think of that limits us. And then we must believe that he rewards us diligently because we seek him, pray. We oil ourselves with this prayer time with God. How do I know that? Hebrews chapter 11. And without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists belief it's belief it's belief it's belief in who you must believe that he exists and that's a conjunction you want to tie it to the baptism believe and be baptized it's a conjunction tied together they do go hand in hand i agree with that then if that goes together this goes together you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him god is a rewarder god wants to reward us and he will reward us as long as we do not doubt and the way we keep from doubting the most is through our time spent with Him in prayer, lubricating our faith in Him. Do you want to please God? Seek Him often. Spend time with Him. He'll give you the power to overcome what you might face on your journey. You need an oil change today? It's the question. I thought about handing out little flyers. Need an oil change? Forty-nine ninety-nine. Find yourself a little rusty these days? God is a remedy for that. Then why not? Why not allow Him to do what He does best? He'll set you on your way. Whatever your need is today, we stand ready to help you as together we stand and sing. Come on.